So, Jimmy, are you up for me coming out for a day to do the makeup yeah, test? Of course. That would yeah. be awesome. Okay. I'd love it. Hopefully, my shop is up and running soon. I'm, I've been kind of dragging my feet on, well, I put out the feelers to get some trade outs, and it's taken a really long time for people to answer. And I've decided that if I don't get answers in 10 days, like within like the end of this week, I'm going to just start laying out money. And I, I have already committed to buying the windows, which is $17,000. I wrote a check for $5,000 for overhead lights that cover the entire space. Wow. So I'm just going to just start spending money again. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so what's the hold fast? Give me the, I missed this conversation. Oh, uh, so, hold fast is the thing you beg, you peg down no, through I mean, the hole. I, I know what a hold fast is. I oh. mean, like him coming to. Oh, he, well, he's going to come and we're going to blacksmith a couple up. Maybe you come too. What do you need blacksmithed? Mm, I don't know. We could do a, a live up. a live feed from the chicken coop. <laughs> I um, you know the the whole collab thing is is very successful, and I've been very for myself just kind of anti collab, just because mm. it's such a commitment. So and, hard to logistically get people on the same page. Yeah, I and, tried uh, it. I really had a good idea, and like. The, People involved are just like, oh, yeah, I'll get to that when I get to it. And I'm like, all right, then I guess that's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I just I just feel like, you know, I should, you know, I, I should I should try a little harder and, and work at it. And, uh, and I'm like, I need a new holdfast. And Jimmy has all this blacksmithing stuff. It'd be fun. It's easy, too. That'll be like we could crank out, you know, should, five or six of them in a minute. Yeah. I mean, it should be a one-day thing. Maybe you can throw a couple up on eBay. Yeah. That's awesome. Nope. The collaboration thing is is interesting. Like the um, the one with Evan and Caitlin that I did recently was great. Like they're great to work with. We had a really good time. You know, they stayed here for a week. Trending. They made it to YouTube's trending oh, yeah. page. Yeah. Never. I've never had a video on trending. Which that was cool. crazy. Yeah. But that was cool. But um, and I haven't had any bad experiences with collaborations. I haven't done very many of them. But it is a really strange thing. Like. I don't know, just trying to come up with, a, for me anyway, trying to come up with a project that takes advantage of the people involved, right? That, you know, because often a lot of us are generalists, so we don't necessarily need each other to do a thing to accomplish a specific task. Right, right. And that's when I feel like collaborations are the most useful. And it's like, this person has a specialty in A and this one has B and together they can make super A, B thing together yeah, yeah. You know. i um one of the things that i struggle with is it's there's not a lack of opportunity to do collaborations but in order for um a collaboration to be successful for both parties everybody has to gain from it so you know i'll get a uh like a glass worker or a metal worker saying hey let's let's collab i can do this thing that you don't know how to do and but they don't really have a, a YouTube channel. So it only, you know, it's kind of one-sided. And that's a, I hope that doesn't sound like a selfish thing to say, but I have a hard, I don't know how to politely say, no, this isn't, it's not going to work for both both sides, you know? Yeah, that's tough. I mean, because you like, it's weird because if you look at it, 
I think we all look at collaborations that way where, you know, you're both putting something in with the effort, with the, the goal of cross pollination. Like you want to get each other's audiences, you know, aware of the other person. You want to both get a boost out of it from like exposure and, um, but regardless of who you're working with, so you probably don't have like the same size following. You probably don't necessarily have the same type of following. And so it's really, I think, hard to find a situation where it's going to be an equal or mutually beneficial match. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think maybe that's why, without really thinking through it ahead of time, that's probably why I haven't done as many collaborations in the past. Yeah. Like, you know, because it, it is beneficial. Either it's super beneficial for me and not the other way around or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And that feels kind of weird. Like, I don't want to take advantage of somebody else's position. Yeah. So, anyway, I'm going to take advantage of Jimmy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, what have you been up to? This week, I am working on my desk build. So, a couple months ago, I, I, I can't remember if I talked about this last time or not, but a couple months ago, we built uh, the file cabinets. And right now, there's um, plywood sitting on top of that. And we were supposed to work on it last week, but the the MIDI keyboard project took way more time than I ever thought. So we're going to finish that up. And I'm like, I'm super excited about this project because this desk is where I spend most of my time. And I just cannot wait for it to be organized because it's always a mess. And things are always stacked on top of each other and there's no room for anything. And I, don't know, I feel like this is the reason that I make stuff. So I can make something that's so custom for me. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm super excited about it. And it's a really simple, simple build. Nice. That's cool. Jimmy, what are you, what are you up to? Uh, if anybody's been following my social media this week, I got a rush job at the end of last week. It was confirmed. It's something we've been talking about for a couple of weeks, but everything got finally confirmed. I built this big 14-foot-long display. It's kind of like a photo wall that you would see when you go into an event for a, uh, it's, I I keep saying the wrong name of the company. It's for Bullet, but I keep saying Dick all every time I describe it. Uh, Bullet Bourbon for the Tribeca Film Festival. We load it in tomorrow morning. We finished the build. I had to build two marquee signs, the big long wall, and it was a lot of work. A lot of welding because we welded a black gas pipe into six different shelving units that are gonna carry liquor displayed at the event. And so that's what I've been doing. I've been just really kicking butt all week to get that done. And right after this, I have to go. The truck is going to come and pick everything up. So that's really nice that I, after all that work, I don't have to deliver it personally. Oh, so yeah. It's yeah. a lot of fun not to have to deliver it. So I'm really excited about that. But I've been working on that mostly and uh, just started editing my vlog. It's got about two and a half weeks worth of stuff. So it's a lot to sift through. Late, late last night before we started. So that was just what I've been working on just up till now. And I got my power hammer going. I might have had it going yeah. last week. I don't know if we did or not, but this week I actually was able to play around with it and hit some hot metal. It was a lot of fun. It needs some adjustments still. And if you guys notice, I put up a slow-mo video of the machine moving. And that was just so I could see where some of the adjustment points touch or aren't oh. supposed to touch. And huh. it got a lot of reaction. People really like that. 
did you, I mean, was it really useful to see it in slow-mo? Did it yeah. give you the information you're looking for? Yeah, yeah. These these lever arms, they touch the frame. They're not supposed to. And so I just wanted to make sure because there's a real fine line between them touching the frame and the hammer ram touching the, the die. So it's almost like these hands have to go down into the hole so that the thing gets elongated so it slaps quicker uh, or so it actually makes contact. So I had to slow everything down to make sure that my adjustment was right and I needed to readjust it after it. So if you watch that video on Instagram, the lever arms are actually hitting the frame just slightly, almost at the same time the hammerhead makes contact at the die. So I need needed clearance. I'm learning all these things as we go. <laughs> Have you made the the protection cage yet for it? Not yet, no. So every time I, if you notice, every time I, I played with it, which hasn't been much, you'll see it in the vlog. I'm kind of standing to the side because if you stand in front of it, that's where you run risk of like the spring shooting and hitting you in the face. So not cool. <laughs> Bad day. Good times. Yeah. <laughs> Good times. Day. So yeah. I do have an interesting mechanism, which I'm sure it's so funny because the power hammer and blacksmith of worlds are very, 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 very critical. So. I'm going to do something which is going to get people really upset, but that's probably where I'm going to do it. The way I'm going to make this cage that protects the spring. Because usually guys make this giant cage that goes over and covers the whole beautiful machine. I'm going to do something a little bit different, which isn't going to cover the whole machine, but it's going to get a lot of people upset. So look forward to that. <laughs> that's that's your thing, right? <laughs> it's good to get a reaction. Well, it's funny because I did I did that motor attention. mount. I, I talked about it last week. I did that motor mount. I, I call it the birdhouse perch motor mount. I did that, and and you know, Instagram is a friendly place. I've had a couple of people right away go, "That's not going to work. Don't even waste your time. What, like, what? Do you, what's wrong with you? Like, dude, lay, lay off. Let me experiment and have fun. That's what my life's about. But that's just more motivation for you to make it work. And it does work. I did yeah. it, and it works. So no one's writing me back saying, "Oh, you were right." <laughs> no, they, just, they sit on the sidelines waiting and like in 10 years from now when it breaks they're gonna go see i told you <laughs> and you'll be like i can fix it in 15 minutes <laughs> <laughs> right you get another 10 years out of it no but it's exciting to finally get that thing going after all this time i really honestly was yeah. stalled on it thinking i'm gonna just have to sell it unfinished i really well, that's interesting contemplated that yeah, because you had it for quite a while. It's May, May May 25th will be one year. That's when I bought it. I just happened to notice because I was going through some old video files. Oh. Yeah, the day oh. I bought it was May 25th last year. But like the actual work to get it working is just in the last, what, couple weeks? Uh, well, I started working on it right away and then I stopped. So as soon as I okay. got it, I was like, I have to get this going. And it, it involved, you'll see the video. I'm going to do a full-on video where I explain all the different things I did to it. I had to put new bushings inside of the moving parts because it was so worn out from the life it led before it got dismantled. So all the joints and everything were really slacky. So whoever had it before me dismantled it in preparation to drill out and put all these. So that was the the, the majority of the work was doing all that machining. And it was very simple machining as far as machining goes. I just had to drill a hole in this material and then sleeve it so that it took up the empty space between all the pins. And I had to actually gotcha. open up the space because the, the space that was there from wear and tear was all oblong and weird. So I had to drill it all out. And like I said, it's fairly simple machining techniques. So it was hmm. it was good for me to learn some basic simple stuff and challenge me to make sure that I did it right so that the machine works. So it was a great learning experience as I expected it to be. But I was just a little nervous that I kind of bit off more than I could chew because it's heavy and to move it around is not simple. And yeah. Then uh, on my last power hammer trip is when I really got the motivation to do the motor part, which is the one thing that I was left to do. That's what I did recently. 
everything else I had done up till now, but then the mounting the motor, I wanted to be sure I did it correctly, or at least in a way that was going to be long lasting and work. And that's what it did. Nice. Mm. It's interesting how like things like that, that like you started working on it and then it got big in your head, it got bigger than what you wanted to put into it. And then when it came down to actually finishing it up, it's just a couple of weeks of, of hard work, you know, I, I mean, I'm saying because I do stuff like that constantly where I'm just like, I'll build something up in my head like, oh, this is going to be huge. It needs all this attention or all this time. Yeah. And it really doesn't, um, you know, you, really well, you just do it very incrementally and, and then in. all of a sudden it's done. Yeah. And that's how I attack a lot of my bigger edits. Like the vlogs are always a big edit because there's always so much different variety of material to sift through. And if you just attack it incrementally, like, okay, let me just do these next two minutes. Then you go away, have a coffee, have a drink, take a ride, come back. Okay, let me do another two. Let me just do three more minutes. And they go away and come back. And that, those little incremental things all add up. And that's what I did with this power hammer. Like, okay, let me just get these parts welded together. Okay, what would be the next thing? And just instead of looking at the whole entire map, I just look at whatever's the next few steps. And Off, then all, yeah. all of a sudden it's done. We all know that if we just get started or just take, little bites out of the project that it helps and it's not as big as big of a deal as we think it is but for whatever reason the next time that particular thing comes around we go back into the same old mindset and i'm not sure why my brain just can't accept the fact that this is not a big deal just do it yeah i don't know i mean that's something i've audibly said so many times like oh if I had just done this, it would have gone so much faster. If I hadn't put it off for a month, it would have, you know. But yeah, I'm with you. I don't know why we can't like hang on it to that. It's funny. Every single remember. time I have to remind myself, I'm like, okay, I did that really long, arduous project. I can do yeah. this one. <laughs> I do, yeah. that's, I mm -hmm. do remind myself, but it doesn't always come instinctively, instantly. It's hmm. a conscious decision to remind myself. Oh, yeah. Remember when I had the, all those other serious hurdles to deal with? You did that. You could do this. You know, I'm yeah. looking at myself yeah. in the mirror. You can do this. It's like that moment <laughs> in a movie that's you think is, is BS. It's not BS. It happens. <laughs> I was watching a really cheesy uh, kid movie with my family last night. And uh, there was a line in it where this girl was typing on a typewriter and she was, she was trying to be a writer. And so it, like the typewriter jammed. And her dad, she got all frustrated and whatever. And her dad came in and told her this story about how he had a Model T Ford and how it, like, every time he would crank it to get it started, like, every occasionally the crank would break. And his dad would always say, don't let it beat you. Talking about, like, whatever the hard thing is in front of you, like, don't let that thing beat you. Mm -hmm. And so he was passing this little bit of knowledge on to her. But in the moment, I'm like, yeah, this is, like, such a cheesy movie, such a kid movie. But I'm like, oh, hmm. That's actually a really good thing just to remember. No matter what it is, no matter what the how difficult you think the thing is going to be and how many times it's messed up, like don't let the thing beat you. Yeah. You're going to be around longer than the thing. I'm like, oh, hmm. I'll hang on to that little bit. Nice. Yeah. Um, that reminds me of a quick story. I was, I was emailing with my buddy Derek. Derek's coming to England with me, so you guys are going to meet Derek. Derek... Oh, nice. uh, is having a lot of problem with his sewing machine. So he's been really trying to figure, he got a couple of new sewing machines he inherited and he's been trying to get them working and he's been having a really hard time and he's been sending me stuff. And I don't know too much about how to give advice when it comes to mechanics on a sewing machine because there's so many adjustments. Uh, anyway, late last night he texted me and he said, 
He goes, I wasn't going to let this thing win. He was really frustrated up to the point where he was about to give up. But then he said, he sent me some images of some really nice threads that he was able to lay down. And he says, I'm not going to let this thing win. So it's basically the same concept you just talked about with the car. Yeah. So he was very proud of himself, which was cool. Yeah, that's cool. Super gratifying to get something like that working. Like I'm sure your power hammer, like now you have a working uh, power hammer. That's yeah. awesome. You yeah. Know? It's crazy. It's, I, I thought it was just a big giant chunk of steel. Now it actually does something. That's cool. Well, for me, I got back from LA on Saturday night, really late. And so I spent the week there shooting some videos and we kind of talked about it last week, but um, I was shooting a series, a short series with Vox. Um, and it's like a sponsored thing with Ford. So it was a, it was six DIY projects um, and they were all pretty simple things, but they're based off of, they were inspired by features of the truck. <clears throat> so my first thought on that, when I heard that pitch was like, that sounds pretty horrible and just like a big ad. And it, it is an ad. I mean, it's very clearly an ad, but the cool thing was like after filming for a week, I got a much better sense of how heavy or like what the balance was between the Ford portion of it and the DIY, like actual project portion of it. And so I felt a lot better about that. Like it was, it starts with, here's the truck. It's got this feature. Okay. Now everybody knows that. So let's make something based off that feature. And then that was the rest of the video. Hmm. So that was good. Like it didn't, I was a little worried that I was walking into a, you know, like I'm going to become the Ford guy kind of thing. And um, so a lot of hot glue and, really... and zip ties or a real project. <laughs> I mean, it was a combination of simple, simple stuff that it was all definitely all simple. Cause we were shooting two projects a day. I mean, they were like really easy um, and they were very DIY. They're not like you have to have a shop full of tools. They're, you know, like we did a TV lift in a cabinet, which was probably the most, you know, the most building type of a thing. And it was getting something and cutting the slot in the top and putting on a hinge and putting in the lift. And, you know, past that, they were made a French cleat system for a wall to organize some tools. And, um, and then some other ones were just like really basic electronic setting up smart home type stuff, you know, so it was a combination of, of hands-on and kind of like, smart home stuff. But anyway, the, the week itself was really interesting. Um, I was the, the only on camera person and which is, you know, I'm used to that, but it was weird being in a place where there's like 25 people and I'm the only one that ends up on camera. And so Jimmy, you've got experience here where it's just like, there are so many people around to make these little videos happen. Yeah. (laughs) And in, in, like complexity from what the project was to what we all do every single week. It was like one to a hundred, you know, it's like nothing of a project, but it took 25 people, you know, a solid day probably to shoot this entire thing. I'm thoroughly convinced that when there's a huge budget, like that probably was when you have giant corporations involved, the production team just staffs up because if they, if they end up having to spend say, you know, $10,000 for the staff. They need X times more profit. So it's in my opinion that they just staff up and say, oh, it's going to cost this much money to get that done. That's just a hard cost. So if that hard cost is really big, 
then it's going to have to also be really big budget. So if yeah. anybody really had a cut and cut and cut and cut, it would be you, two cameramen, and maybe a makeup person <laughs> and a representative yeah. from Ford standing around. That's what it really would yeah. be. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't feel like it was like an unnecessary number of people. It's just a different type of production than – and like it sounded like when you were shooting the TV show – that sounded like there were probably just a people, bunch of people on hand that were just there. <laughs> oh this yeah, was, I don't. I, I mean, I, there's so many people, and everyone seems super this busy. One, it was like an anthill. Everybody had so many yeah. things to do. This one, like everybody was doing their job, and the thing that was really impressive about it was, like, they all, not all of them, had worked together before. Crews like that, you know, when they're kind of just together for a short time it's like i know this guy and that guy knows that guy and that guy knows a pa and that guy knows a lighting guy so what you know bring your person or whatever so it ended up being a crew of people that didn't necessarily all work together before but they were all kind of connected somehow mm -hmm. but they were all really good at their jobs and so they all did their part very like they just stepped in when they needed to step in and they got out of the way when they were when their part was done so it was really interesting to see like you know, the guy running camera, he would, you know, there were two cameras. And so he would set up a camera and, and be talking about a shot. And like, we want it to look like this. And he would say like, I'm getting a little bit of a reflection off of this thing in that lamp. And without like, they're all on, you know, like headset mic things. So he would say that. And then two dudes would just fly into the room with like black cloaks. And they're like covering the window to get the thing and then get the reflection off the lamp. Yeah, <laughs> And so it wasn't like, hey, go ask, you know, Barry to come in and do this for me. It was just they were all waiting to do their job. And anytime they had to do it, they would hop in and do it. Like the, the makeup girl was, you know, there and she was I was the only person on camera. So I was the only thing that she had to do. So she had a lot of sitting around just waiting for them to need me, you know, to be ready to shoot. Because right before they would shoot, she would come in and like dab the oil off my face or whatever. Hmm. It's just really interesting to watch everybody do their thing. I would imagine you were being super oh, yeah. observant the whole time. Yeah. Like, were you trying to soak in what they were doing? Yeah. I picked up all sorts of terminology and stuff and just, like, listening. And, and like, the lighting. It was really cool to watch the lighting guys work because I didn't, you know, I have, like, two cheap lights. <laughs> right. That's what I use for lighting. And they have all these different uh, rigs and stuff for different things. And obviously it's not all stuff that we would necessarily use, but like they had, <clears throat> excuse me, they had, you know, these certain light tubes that they could RGB and they could set the temperature of, and they look like a, a fluorescent tube, but they had all these crazy little mounts. And so they could mount any of their light fixtures or light types to any device ever. And so that was pretty cool to watch. Like, you know, we were in a garage and they need to hang this light and, the about the only thing on the ceiling is the the track for the garage door. And so I'm like, all right, how are they going to get this thing up there? And they pull in these crazy little clamp things that look like they look strong enough that they would just crush anything that you put inside of them, you know, but they held just what they needed to hold. And they, they were strong enough that they could stick in this four foot light tube into one end. So it's got like two inches of clamping surface and they would tighten it down just by hand and it would hold the thing right in the position. And I'm like, man, what is that clamp? I want one of those. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so there was a lot of that and they had a lot of like different types of um, like fold out black 
cover things that they all had names. It was a two by two and a two by four. And a it's funny to watch the, those team of guys like that. They, that's where their creativity comes in. And it's really funny because I know me personally and probably you guys as well. You look through the camera and you go, okay, all right, let me just move that bright yellow thing or blue thing in the background. All right, cool. Let's yeah. go. And then yeah, they'll, <laughs> yeah, they'll analyze for 20, 30 minutes what they're looking at. And, they'll go, and then they'll come to you and they'll go, can we just like rearrange the entire room, like move everything over there, over there, and move all that yeah. over there, over there? Is that all right? We'll just set it right back when we're done. And then all of a sudden, there's 25 PAs on set rearranging the entire room. Yeah, my dog's out of the fight. <laughs> and and in my mind, I'm like, it looks absolutely no different than what it looked like before, except that this machine's over there yeah. now. It's you could have easily won with. And then ultimately, that that is seconds on camera. But they'll yeah. take but the, an hour to set the set. But the thing that's interesting about that, because I, yeah, I'm the same way. I was like, what what difference does it make? Like, who cares if you see a reflection on the side of the lamp? You can't tell what it is. Like, it doesn't matter. But the thing is, the, a crew like that is so split up and specialized. The reason that it's not one person shooting is so that each one of those people can focus on a single thing and do it really well. And so the camera guy, his only goal it's not what I say on camera. It's not that I've said the right things or I've you know, necessarily acted the right way. That's somebody else's job. His job is to make sure that everything that is comes through that lens looks exactly like it's supposed to look, you know? And then like part of executing that, his little piece is instructing the art department to lift up that thing two inches because it needs to be a little bit higher to be level with this line. And it's, you know, telling the, the lighting guy to pull in this thing and use this color instead of that color. It's, I don't know. It was really like, it's not a, a world I would want to live in. You know, it's not a thing, a place I would want to spend a lot of time because most of my week was standing around waiting. Yeah. Just like, hmm. it's okay, funny when, go. when okay, I did... go. And then I do it like two minutes or something. And then I would wait for another 30 minutes. When I did the show with my brother, I always stayed involved with those guys and got interested and learned a lot, the camera crews. But when my brother was there and somebody started getting creative with a composition or trying to decide what <clears throat> what film to put over the lamps, my brother would just throw his hands up and go, I'm going to bed. He would just get up and go, I'm going to take a nap. And he would just go find a place to lay down because it would take two hours yeah. to set up something that would take three minutes to shoot. And that's because everyone started getting creative. And that's why, like I said, I would hang with them because I want to learn a little bit about, you know, color temperature and all that stuff. My brother would be like, I'm going to take a nap. And he would just disappear and go like lay down and make a pillow and go to sleep. It was always <laughs> funny because he would just throw his hands up like, oh, you guys are getting creative again. I'm out. Yeah. I mean, it it was really eye opening to me. Just um, and, and everybody that was on set, everybody that worked on it was super cool. Like they were all people that I would happily work with again, you know? Yeah. Film production guys, like all, all the guys that work in the trenches on that. I mean, even the, the producers and stuff, they're usually very cool guys and they know how work is fleeting. So they're very appreciative to have it when they have it. Yeah. You know, it's very, it's hard pressed to find a snob, but occasionally you do, but yeah, it's very rare. I feel like the, the on-camera people are probably the harder ones to deal with. I would imagine. Cause I mean, and I understand kind of a little bit more now how those people could get to that point because being the person on camera like they i don't know i don't even know how to say this without sounding weird but is everything they okay wanted, you feeling all right you want a soda one coffee yeah can i get exactly you <laughs> no matter what was going on i could have the biggest smile good? in the world you want me to rub your feet 
You okay? Yeah. You good? Do you, do you need anything? <laughs> you you need some food? You need because if you got sick, then everybody else is down. Exactly. And then whoever yeah. owns the budget is not delivering, and then they're going to get penalized. It's but it was so weird to have these people just like, you know, do can I get and like not one person. It's not like there was an assistant person there, you know, to like get me what I needed or whatever. <laughs> it's like everybody. <laughs> you need anything? Yeah. You, you okay? You need what? And I'm just like I'm good. Like <laughs> water's right there. I can walk over and get my own water if I need water. I'm thank you. I'm fine. And so, but I understand like after if you, that was your career all the time and people were just constantly like, "What do you need? What do you need?" You would probably, for better or worse, get in the habit of being like, "I need someone to do this for me," and I need mm-hmm. someone to do this for me. <laughs> you know, it was it was really interesting. Um, like I said, I don't think it's a place I would want my career to end up in necessarily. Mostly because it was most, I was just standing around a lot of it. And even like, I guess it's all unionized. I don't, I don't really know, but like the grips, they have their job. The, the camera guy and all, I don't know the names of all the functions, but the, you know, every person had their thing. And so like they would be shooting a, a, I don't know, there was a bed and they, we had to do something under the bed. So they wanted to shoot the camera low enough to, you could see the bottom of the bed easiest way to do that was to lift the bed on these apple boxes. And so, and there's apple boxes right there. There's like four of them. And so the camera guy's like, Hey, can we just lift up the the bed on those boxes? And I'm standing there waiting to do my bit next to the bed. I'm like, yeah, sure. So I reached down to to lift up the bed and he's like, no, 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 no. We got to, no, they got to do that. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a fake bed. I can, it's not going to hurt me. I can pick it up. And he's like, I know, but that's their job. And the other problem too, is if you jam or bend your fingernail back while you're in the process of just doing something simple like that, then you're out of commission. So, I mean, there's, there's a couple of things going on there, of course. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, it was interesting. It was, uh, was there I'm a, glad to was have, there glad assistant to director done. yelling and barking orders every 20 minutes to everybody? There's usually one person on set that is like the wrangler. It's usually the assistant director. Oh yeah. Yeah. He'll yeah, get a whisper in his ear and like somebody, and then he starts barking and yelling. And then, and then everyone has yeah. to get in line and lunch in five yeah, the, minutes. So lunch is yeah, over exactly. in five minutes. Yeah, that's the assistant director. And, they're you know, the camera's the out there. He's like trying to get the shot and he's like, um, yeah, I mean, this looks pretty good. And this guy, the assistant guy, who was really nice and everything, but he was the one keep, keeping everybody on the clock. He's just like, all right, yeah, we ready? We ready to shoot this? Ready to go? And he's like, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. just give me another minute. All right, we ready to shoot this? Everybody in their place? <laughs> yeah. Is there anything that you cool. took back? To Josh and said, "Hey, I like how they did this. Can we uh, can we try to do that?" Um, well, I actually haven't even gotten to talk to Josh yet because he came in just like right before we started recording this, so we haven't gotten to talk through any of the specifics yet. But I think there will be some like just overall composition, you know, camera composition stuff, and probably focus on lighting a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But I haven't really even processed through, you know, like all the stuff that I kind of saw. I'm sure it'll probably come up here and there. Yeah. I, I didn't make like a punch list of like, now we have to start doing this or this. And it's got to feel weird that you shot this video and your part of it is done. Like you don't have to bring yeah. it home to edit it and do all, all, all the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. It was weird. And is weird being directed. Oh yeah. Because you know, like, and I, I didn't have a script. I mean, they, they had like, okay, you have to talk about this thing. But it wasn't like, here are your lines that you have to read these lines. 
So that was nice because I, you know, I, I wasn't, I couldn't do it wrong necessarily because it was just like, I could say it in my own voice or whatever. And so the director was just there to make sure that I got the idea across and I covered all of the general talking points and made sure I like called the forward features, the right words and stuff like that. Um, but at the same time, she would say like, uh, you know, like, okay, now talk about how you did this part. And so I would go through it and I would do it once or twice and she'd be like, all right, cool. Let's move on to the next thing. And in my head, I'm going like, well, mm-hmm. like I could say that better. But from her perspective, she got what she wanted out of that particular line for, you know, and she's the one that's driving like the overall, the feel and the level of detail and all that stuff. And so that was a little weird because at the end of the day, I would be like, I don't feel like I really said all of the stuff that I would say about this particular action in like I would in my videos. Like I would end up doing it four or five times. And every time I do a voiceover or a talking point to the camera, the the more times I do it, the more succinct and the more direct it gets. Yep. But when somebody else is directing you and they cut it off and be like, yep, that's enough. We got it. It doesn't really ever get to the, you know, it doesn't evolve to the place where it would if I was on my own. So that was a little weird to get used to. But yeah, you're right. It's strange. Like, you know, they would call, all right, it's a wrap on Bob. Bob's done. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But I have more to say. (laughs) I just like went and got in a car and left. I'm like, Bob, let me ask you a question though. I know from my experience, Bob, Dave, how many times do you look at the camera, you say what you need to say? And you go, oh, that, that that wasn't good. And then you do it four more times, and then you go to the edit, and you end up using the first one. Never. Really? I, me a lot. I'm going to say pretty close to never. It's usually my last take is, is yep. the one. Because I yeah. don't stop until I feel that I have the right the right take. Right. Well, that's usually when I'm doing my vlogs. I, I, I totally get you, and I usually stop when I feel like, okay, that's the one. And then when I'm in my edit, I'll just randomly scroll through and see my mouth moving. I'm like, okay, let me try that one. I'm like, oh, that's great. I don't know how many. And then later huh. on, I'll go and look at the footage. And I'm like, oh, wait, I did that four more times. But, and I review and I'm like, oh, the first one's just as good as the last one. Oh. When I edit, I, I try to go immediately to the last one because I always know that, that yeah. it, in the moment, that was my favorite. So it saves me time and I don't have to watch yeah. the previous four. Yeah. yeah, that's the way we do it too. And what what frustrates me is I will say the wrong thing. Like, the fourth take would be the best take, but I I called something the wrong thing, and then it's like ah, oh, yeah. just fix it yeah. with an overlay on on screen. Yeah, see, I I should do that, but I don't. Mm. I never like I. And this past week, there were several times where I would have to say something about like, and it this especially happened when I was talking about the truck and about like a feature of the truck, and I would say like something about the Ford one hundred and fifty. You know, I would get to the end of the thing, and she'd be like. That was really good, but <laughs> you said Ford 150 instead of Ford F-150. You're like, oh, man, yeah. <laughs> I got to go back and do the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but I, I tend to not, like when I'm doing my own videos, <clears throat> I probably should get in the habit of just putting an overlay on screen to correct something that I said, but I always want to like get it closer to right. But So if you yeah. notice something while you're editing, you will go back and, and reshoot that part? Uh, for the most part, yeah. Mm. Because it usually, if it's a talking point, it's something like relatively easy to recreate. Yeah, but it also depends on how big of a deal it is. Sometimes I just leave it in. Yeah. But so anyway, that's what I did. 
this past week and it was it was interesting uh i mean i learned a lot but i'm definitely glad to be home back in my shop using my tools and was it worth it would you do it again um i wouldn't do it on a regular basis okay you know like i could see taking a week once a year or twice a year maybe and going to shoot some stuff you know just as a way to like boost income and a, a way, but it's not like something I would be like, man, I re- that was great. I really want to go do that again. Cause you know, it was out of my element. And like you said, it's out of my control too. Like I have no input at all on what the final edit's going to look like or any of that type of stuff. So I think it's good to get out of your element. Like I, I love being in a rhythm and I love having a set schedule and this is what I do every week. But once in a while you need that thing to break that up and and do something else and then it helps you appreciate your schedule a little bit more but it also you're you're learning new things and you're and you're getting out in the world you know yeah i mean it's an experience to add to the belt for sure i I totally agree with you um in fact one thing that was really weird about the trip was actually the first day so on on the monday the only thing i was scheduled to do was to do a set visit and it was to they rented this house for us to do these projects in and so like at noon, we had to meet at the house for like an hour just to walk through the rooms and like, we're going to do this one here and this piece has to be here and we have to, we can't use this and we have to use this, that type of stuff. But it was an hour for the entire day and then I was done. And the rest of the days were like 8 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. full days. I was exhausted at the end of every day. But that first day I was in this uh, place called Calabasas, California, right outside of L.A. And it's like a very wealthy area and my hotel was right next to this kind of outdoor mall where there were a bunch of stores that I would never ever ever shop at and fancy restaurants and stuff but it was really pretty so this Monday I had the entire day to kill pretty much so I went for a run and that was great running in the beautiful weather and you know beautiful hills and stuff and I walked through this mall I did the set visit and then I had nothing to do for the rest of the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, huh? Like I got no tools. I got no supplies. <laughs> I got no anything. That's what I was like for a month <laughs> when I was doing yeah. the TV show. Oh man. I cannot even fall. imagine that would make my head explode. Anxious. And I bet. So the, it was the thing that was really strange about the day was that I got to sit down um like on a park bench and then by the pool and I just sat there and like, well, you know, I can go through email. I could do that type of stuff or I could just sit here and just see where my mind goes, which is kind of terrifying when you keep yourself busy all the time and you're always engaged in stuff. And then you have this time where you just kind of sit there and you're like, Hmm, like, what do I, what do I do when I have nothing to do? Hmm. And something I'm totally not used to. And it sounds kind of lame when I say it out loud like most people would love the fact to you know the time to not have anything to do but it was it was tough like it was my mind immediately went to what can I do better what can I what can I change like what's difficult about my business right now what's exhausting and of course a bunch of stuff came up like I the pace I keep is tough for me and I'm tired and I want to figure out how to change that without losing things you know like stuff is is working stuff is going in a good direction so like do i want to make changes to that do i want to you know what i mean and so like i sat there for an entire afternoon just like in my brain which is really weird when you keep yourself busy all the time 
I'm going to be there this this weekend from Thursday until Sunday. I'm going to be in Indiana. Um, Kelly's going on a, a basket making trip, and I'm just tagging along. And hmm. uh, I'm going to have my laptop, and it's going to be my opportunity to work on those particular things, fix the things on my website that need fixed, and just think about the way things are going. Yeah. I went for a six-mile walk on Saturday morning. That's a good walk. Something I never do, yeah. Because from between my house and my shop is three miles, and so for the first time, it's something I've been wanting to try and set as a goal, so I could run that. I'm going to try and set a goal for myself so I could jog that this summer. So I walked it just to see what it feels like Saturday morning, and I'm going to try and do every Saturday morning at least that type of exercise, and set a goal for myself by the fall to see if I could run to the shop and back. I've been able to run up to eight miles at a clip, and I'm going to try and get back into it. Sweet. So that's some setting a goal for myself. So this Saturday, I actually just said, let me just walk the course and see what it's like. And so a lot of dead deers and a lot of gloves, a lot of garbage walking along my main street here. <laughs> Something you never, I've seen two houses I've driven by for 14 years. I never knew what they are. It's crazy. When wow. you stop and walk and think. I walked past a bridge that was built in 1820. I never even knew it was there. Hmm. And I've driven by <laughs> it every day for 14 years. So it's really funny when you stop and take it all in yeah yeah it's weird to put yourself in that position i i mean i can see why that's a really really good thing to do you know like to to take an action like that whether it's a walk in a place that you don't normally walk or just putting the laptop down or whatever you know breaking out of the pattern of of always having something to do or always you know always like the thing with me personally is i have this thing inside me that wants to be productive like all the time. And whether that means productive with you know, time with the family, that's one kind of productive, whether it's business stuff, whether it's making something that I'm interested in, whether it's running so that I feel healthy and I feel like I'm not going to die as quickly. You know, those are all in my mind productive, but it's really hard for me to just sit there and just not do anything. <laughs> and so even the that conversation I kind of had with myself about like how things can change in the future was maybe productive because I was you know trying to process something trying to come up with like ways to do things better or what things are going to look like in the future but it still f- just felt very strange to me to just <laughs> just sit and just be like okay <laughs> and I did that as long as I could and then I went and saw Black Panther again and had a burger and you know so anyway Wow, we've, we're like 42 minutes in yeah. and uh, never really got to a topic. Did, Did we, we have, have a topic? topic? <laughs> but Jimmy had something about bad design. Yeah, I was talking with Kevin this morning, my buddy Kevin Lazat, and he says, why don't you guys have a conversation about bad design? And that was born out of my Instagram story over the weekend. I was in Home Depot and he suggested it because he says, I like when you walk around Home Depot and Walmart and make fun of stuff or just you know pick on things that are just absurd. And... I was talking about these lights. You guys notice how the way all the companies, the the yellow, the red, the blue, the black companies that make tools are all making these area lights. And so when I was at Home Depot, I I noticed a collection of them and how absurd they're designed and how much plastic is in them and how they have these crazy folding mechanisms. And I I personally find the, the best area lights are ones with a hook on them. Just the old school, mm. you hang under the hood of the car, it's at the end of an extension cord. Those are great. And now they make them with like a long 
series of LEDs so you could have a bar so you could hang it up on either end so it becomes basically an overhead 30-inch light or whatever. Those are the simplest and the best and there's no real... It's a, it's almost like it's like a little horse race where they're all trying to out <laughs> invent each other and they come up with things that aren't problems. Like I notice a lot of people are worried yeah. about lights falling over. Yeah. And I guess that is an issue, but they make these horribly over-designed plastic bases to keep things from falling over. Where you're on a construction site, put a thing with a clamp on it so it clamps to something that won't fall over, like a horse or something. So, this, I mean, it, it gets right back to tool companies design tools with a design team that don't make stuff. Hmm. And, they, and they'll, they'll make, like I'll get, well, sometimes we get products to test from DeWalt or whomever. And it's already done by the time it's put in our hands. They never come to us with a hot glued together piece of cardboard and go, what do you think about this? And what, This is the problem we're trying to solve. Let's just have a conversation without looking at any product. They always come to you with this like thing that looks like a, a basketball sneaker that is a drill and it's Dave Welder's <laughs> old line. And you say, oh, what do you feel? I'm like, this is horrible. There's not one flat spot on here. I have no reference. There's a... a, a a level line, but that's not what I need. I need a flat reference surface to right angle. I don't need a level line. Mm-hmm. Not every single hole that this thing is going to drill has to be level to the earth. Every hole this drill has to be square to the product I'm drilling it into, not the mm-hmm. earth. And so they don't they don't ask us anything until it's too late. They go, what do you think? Yep. I go, eh, it's okay. Great. Yeah. Okay, cool. And then, you know, that change might take place <laughs> in two years from now. That's good enough, yeah. That's interesting you say that because it it does seem like, especially in in lights, <laughs> but maybe in a bunch of other things, they are trying to solve problems that aren't there. They're like adding features that nobody asked for. And you know what's crazy? Between our community, DeWalt, Milwaukee, Makita, they can access us anytime. All they have to do is email us and say, hey, come into the design team for a meeting. They don't ask anybody anything. It's They're insulated. They're all like ego-driven this is my design. I don't want anybody to get on it. And it ends up being something that's, eh, there's no revolutionary design because this is too insular. They're not accessing hmm. real people that really use real products every day in a real situation. They think they well, are when they have those big get togethers and they have all, yeah. but they're showing you 50 things that are already done and designed. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. They brought us all to Nashville to do, DeWalt did to do this like thing where they showed off all their new products, which was great. But, they were already done. Yeah. They were like, these are what we're going to be releasing in a few months. Yeah. What do you oh, think? Cool. Like, who real... cares what we think at this point? <laughs> <laughs> there was some real good innovation. There's no doubt about it. Oh, but yeah. when you pick yeah. up a thing and you go, oh, why didn't you just do that? And like the person you're talking <laughs> to was not even involved with the design of it. So it's like even pointless to say anything out loud. But yeah, those are the type of things that they could have done early on. And the only example I've personally seen of that type, like the correct way to do that is when we were at WorkbenchCon, Rust-Oleum had a representative there. and Well, they had a few, but the one that we talked to, that Josh and I talked to, was she was running, she was like product manager for this new paint they have that's like LED paint. And I mean, my mind was like, what? Why doesn't this exist? Like, give me this right now. It was basically like an LED uh, like tape that they already have, but this is a paint. It's a multi-layer paint that you put on and you electrify. So any surface that you want of any shape can glow. What? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) 
And she was there with a prototype of it and would explain the process to it. But she was like, we don't really know what to do with this. Like, we don't know how to package it. Like, what pieces need to be available? What kind of, do you want it as a so kit? Do you want it as I, a I missed that while I was there. So you're saying you could basically like spray paint a stencil and then this whatever, wherever the paint is will illuminate like the logos in a Uber car? Yep. Wow, that's pretty cool. I yeah. <laughs> as long I mean, as it dries, just, Jimmy's thinking. Yeah. yeah. And as long well, as there's color true. to it, is it just like probably just runny liquid? No, no, there's like four different colors. So it's based off of, uh, I think it was developed for the custom auto industry. And it's like a five-layer application type thing where they you put down this like a backing spray on a backing layer. And you can do all this with airbrush or HVLP or there's a bunch of different ways to apply it. But airbrush is like one of the easiest ways. You put down a backing layer, like an insulation, and then some other layer, and then like a metallic copper layer, and then another layer, and then another metal layer, and then the color piece on top of it, or something to that effect. Hmm. Basically, so it's, you know, five sprays to get this thing on there. But then there's, you leave two little areas exposed that are like terminals, and then you plug up like 12 volts or 5 volts or something to those two terminals, and it lights up the entire surface. So they had a Captain America helmet or like a face mask thing, all contoured, all, you know, fit like it would be on a person that was just like, I think maybe just the A on it was glowing or something. But the point being is you can have any shape that you want with this applied to it and this surface glows. And my mind was just racing with like, you could do all sorts of stuff. And But anyway, the point of this entire thing was that she was there saying, we have a piece of technology that we don't know what to do with. We don't know how to package it. We don't know who would buy it and how much they would be willing to pay for it. What do you think? And I was like, that's awesome. You know, because they came to the right place to ask the right people, would mm-hmm. you use this and how would you want to, you know, how would you want to get it? Like, how would you want to access it? I wish it? I would have seen that. I hate Rustoleum so much I couldn't even go near the booth. So, <laughs> I saw that. Maybe they would have won me over just a little bit more. It was cool. It was really cool. Like Josh and I were just like brainstorming while we were sitting there talking to him about all these different ideas that, yeah. Anyway. And it, uh, you know, another thing that turns me off, and then Petruto, maybe you could give us some of your insight if you have any. I was I was in the store the other day and I noticed all these hammers with the logo of the company like down the arm of the hammer, and it's it's just too much. It's like it, this design is just it's. I, I like I like a, like I was in an antique show the other day and I and I saw this a wooden faceted hammer with a Stanley head. And I'm like, there's a hammer. It's like a classically designed, nice hammer. Now these hammers are all look like, you know, something you would have on your waist if you were in the space station. And I, I know Kyle always talks about this one hammer. I can't remember the name of it, but Kyle loves this hammer. And he's always, it has interchangeable heads and stuff. But hammer design is, is just, I'm going for a pure aesthetic, not necessarily a physical thing. So it's a little bit, it's not necessarily a good review, but from a pure aesthetic, they just turn me off. Like if I'm going to buy a hammer, I'm not going to buy a hammer that has a huge logo down the side unless it's my own name. Have you been to the hammer aisle yeah. in Home Depot? There yeah, are about. at least 40 hammers to choose from. Yeah. And every one of them is like the space age <laughs> big thing. It's as if everybody in the whole world frames constantly and framing is definitely still alive. But it's, you know, I, I buy a hammer now more to tap things into place and not necessarily drive nails. So... I'm always buying ball peen hammers when I see them at flea markets and stuff. But 
regular claw hammers that drive nails. I I think just, it has to so much design going on there, and it's not all good. Yeah, I mean, I think aesthetic, it has to do with aesthetic. Yeah, a hammer's been. It's one of the oldest tools around, and I think you have to create these new space age, space shaped, futuristic things to get people to buy more hammers. Because in theory, you should only need one carpenter's hammer. You should only need like one ball peen hammer, and 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 so on. So maybe you have hundreds two or three hammers, <laughs> but and that should last you the rest of your life. But they need to sell you these things. They need to have this hammer with, you know, with this feature, and it looks super cool, and it's the same color as your other tools that you have in your arsenal. You know? (laughs) Yeah. I guess. Oh, sizzle! A lot of sizzle. Sizzle. Well, so it's interesting. You think about that. So a hammer should be the most basic thing. Like they're, and this is, I don't mean to like minimize the whole thing, but imagine that a hammer was a thing that was designed once and it did its job and we don't ever need to change it. Right. Yeah. That's kind of the way you think of something like a hammer or a Phillips head screwdriver. Like what you can't really improve that, but they continue to make them. They continue to change the grips and change the ratchet. And the the one thing they don't improve is the steel in them. And I complain about this all the time. Mm, They make all these beautiful hammers and they just go, use the cheaper steel. So the most important part of the whole entire tool is that little tiny three millimeter tip is the one thing they don't improve. They improve everything else. That's the one thing they unimprove is the most important three millimeter part at the very end. Well, maybe that's so that they can continue to sell them. Could be. I quit. (laughs) I quit. (laughs) Well, anyway, where I was going with that was like, think about something like a Zippo lighter. I don't know much about Zippos, but I kind of imagine that a Zippo lighter has not changed in design or functionality in the last 50, 75 years, something like that. It's iconic. It is, is, it's an icon. But that's like one of the, that's one of the few things I can think of that hasn't gotten a uh, contemporary styling upgrade Mm-hmm. Maybe it has. I don't know. I don't know anything about lighters. But in my mind, like that's something that doesn't get you know constantly updated to be whatever is contemporary in design. Whereas things like hammers even do. Well, people people like like Apple and like I'm holding a Leatherman I have here. This is for me personally. I like the Surge Leatherman, but they keep improving and changing. But thankfully, they're smart enough to keep making exactly. So when they introduce a new thing to a line, the tooling's all done, and they just keep making it. So that's a smart thing that Leatherman does is they keep making it. They don't scrap old tooling and keep replacing previous product lines. You can still buy the little tiny scissor thing, which I keep in my pocket. And they've made 10 new versions of them. They All of them are horrible compared to the very first one. And the Leatherman has improved. and But now they're going past the point of improving and they're just making them crappy and over-designed in these slick shapes. And same thing with the Apple computer as far as like the OS system. Like I went from using iTunes to being, oh, this is great. This is cool. Wow, this is awesome. Wow, this is a great improvement. Wait, what does this mean? Why? I don't understand this. Forget it. I'll just listen to the radio. And that, that's my <laughs> iTunes experience. Where's well, my music? I have no idea. Sometimes it shows up in my car. Sometimes it doesn't. Where is it? Is it in the cloud? Is it on a phone? I did iTunes sharing with a computer that's 10 years old. I don't even know where it is. And somehow there's one hard drive somewhere in my file that has actually the music on it, the physical, but it keeps showing up on all my phones. And one day it's just going to not show up and I'm not going to have any idea how to fix it. <laughs> well, we've been talking about design and what uh, bad design with like 
corporations and and these companies that we that we use and work with would uh, before we end I want kind of want to talk about our own designs and how it is okay to have a bad design because you need you need version 1 to make version 2 better mm-hmm. and something yeah. um the the project that I put out last week was remaking the the shell for my um music keyboard like it it looks it looks great but I look at it, I'm like, this could be so much better now, now that I know all the, the steps that I had to make to, to get there. And I could actually make it a little bit more more sturdy. And it might be something that I do. I might I might do a version two because version one isn't the best that it could be. Hmm. Yep. I feel like I should do that. Like, you're, you're totally right. Like, obviously, you're going to learn stuff from the first design. I can't think of a single project that I've come back and made a second time. What I think about, that's my personality. Did, uh, uh, so you made, a while back, you made a Lego table. Now, yeah. isn't your ping pong table also a Lego table? Um, well, it's just, I mean, it, has, it will store Legos. Okay. But Lego bricks for the <laughs> purists out there who get on me for saying Legos. Oh. Um, yeah, that's like a, apparently a really big deal. Yeah. I guess. When you say Lego um, without the descriptive word bricks, what do they think you mean? Well, no, it's Legos. The word Lego is apparently singular and plural. Oh. And so you say Lego bricks rather than Legos. Hmm. I'm going to say Legos from now on. Yeah. Do it. Stir it up. Say, yeah. I'm going to get into Legos. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Bob, let's say you had to make your arcade cabinet one more time. Uh, I wish we had. I wish we had video of that face while he was. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I wasn't even looking. Continue no. on. So let's say Bob, you had to make the arcade cabinet one more time, and you had to get rid yeah. of the one. Was there? Is there anything that you would do different? Um. Uh, oh, it's perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. No, I mean there probably is. I don't know. I would have to actually. That's. I'm pretty distant from that one. I would have to go back and like really look at it. I think so. I mean, I think that there are many things that I would change about any of the stuff I've made if I did it a second time. But I think generally I am not interested in doing a second version of something. Sure. You know what I mean? Like I did it once. It wasn't perfect. There's definitely room for improvement, but me. Yeah. Like I just want to move on and try something else. So I hear you. Which which I'm saying that from a like, I kind of wish that I wasn't that way. Like, I kind of wish I had the motivation that you're saying of going back and doing it again to end up with a better result. But I, that's just me. Hmm. So I'm not saying that in a good way. I'm saying that in a bad way. Well, you're not making stuff for other people. You're making stuff for yourself. But if you know, if, if you were making stuff for other people, obviously you would want to get better. And version two yeah. and version three is going to be a continuation of that. Yeah. I kind of feel like, most of the stuff that I make is getting the prototype out of the way. Hmm. And if I ever in my life want to come back and make another canoe paddle, I've already got the really bad one out of the way. <laughs> so like the second one theoretically should be better. I may never do that, but I can. So hmm. I don't know. Anyway. 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 Um, anything else on design? Did you did you have any? Well, you said your keyboard, but did you have another specific like example of? Um, well, you know, I've made two stuff? workbenches, and um, 
the the design of the first workbench was perfectly fine, but my second one, I made it a l- more useful. So I, I guess um, something like that. My desk that I'm working on this week, it's going to start off very, very basic, and it's going to hold the things that I want it to hold. And in the future, I'm going to make it so I can modify it. So nothing is going to be permanent, and I can continue to add on or subtract from it as I need to. So it'll be a, it'll be a, um, a, a never, maybe, maybe we'll say it's never, the design of that desktop will never be finalized. Right. It's upgradable. Oh yeah. I guess my, uh, my miter saw station was kind of that way too. Like I did do a second video on that, but it was adding stuff. To, well, I, I guess I did improve some things about that. Can we think of it? I made the, the dust shroud fix some problems in the first one. So hmm. never mind. I take it back. <laughs> <laughs> I've done one. <laughs> you always got to make things over and over because it'll improve your techniques, not necessarily for that particular product, but the techniques yeah. on how you make drawers or assemble oh, yeah. slides or joinery. You always start saying, oh, this would be nice. And then it also improves your workflow. And you remember that workflow technique for something else. Yeah. Ex- yeah. Mm-hmm. Bob knows to not work with those particular slides. Uh, anymore from his last project. Mm-hmm. True. Spend the money on the True. good ones. Yeah. I also know to not plan projects that have t- 12 drawers in them <laughs> in the future. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, well, while you guys figure out what you want to talk about that you've been watching, I'm going to thank our Patreon supporters. I'm giving you some lead time. So thank you. Go figure out your thing. You're welcome. <clears throat> um, I want to thank everybody who helps us out. Especially Wise Old Dal, Evan and Caitlin, Corey Ward, Malta Make, Works by Solo, Michael Schubert, Dor Sharir, Chad from Mancrafting, and Make Build Modify. Um, but everybody that supports us on Patreon is awesome. And we're grateful for that support. So thank you. Thank you. And if you want to help out the show, go to patreon.com slash making it. And if you support at any level whatsoever, you get the after show, which is more of us talking. Sometimes secret stuff. Sometimes Jimmy has pants on. <laughs> Today Sometimes. I do. Today he does. So, so it won't be exciting. <laughs> All right. Well, what you got? What you been watching? Anything cool? Yeah. I'm going to bring up Kyle Toth again, which I've probably brought Yay. up a uh, hundred times the before. The strip. Yeah. It is so cool, right? Yeah. He's awesome. And he's, I love I love he's taking woodworking into into the art direction. Yes, making woodworking for the sake of art and not necessarily for the sake of a table or whatever, which he's also extremely good at. But he is a true artist, and and I love this. You get to see uh, day by day him working on this Mobius strip. It's it's so cool, and I know I've uh, picked Kyle Toth many times before, but because he doesn't have a million subscribers, I'm going to just keep picking him over and over and over again until, mm-hmm. until he does. Totally. Cause he's amazing. Yeah. And he's such a cool person to hang out with. He is yeah. full of good energy. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to talk about Christina from get hands dirty because she just did a great video. That is a shout out to me or a tribute to me in, in a, in a way. If you guys, maybe you guys don't know this. I don't know if I talked about it before, but my buddy Brian from Wooden Creations, Brian is the Missouri version of the iMake license plate. And he's the second holder of an iMake license plate. Now every single state is taken. He started the trend after me. Um, 
he started a thing called The Rest of Us, which is I gave him one ice pick and he used the ice pick in a way that's fun, make an interesting movie with the ice pick, label it and mail it to another YouTuber. So now Christina from Get Hands Dirty is the seventh one in a row to get the ice pick, do something with it that's inspired by whatever the ice pick inspires the filmmaker to do, and then uh, pass it on to the next person. So she put her video out this morning of what she did with my ice pick and she made this beautiful epic movie. And at the very end, she showed several uses and some other people using it. So it's it's a, it's an honor that people would choose my product and do that. And in honor of them, I am not going to change my product and make it ugly. I'm going to keep mm-hmm. it the same. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man! We need a space ice pick. No, one with a with a, like a fold out toothpick on it and a bottle. Yeah. I was like, make the top a bottle opener. I'm like, I don't drink beers. I don't care. <laughs> uh-huh. Flashlight. <laughs> That's a separate pocket. <laughs> oh man, we have a podcast um, in your pocket someday. Hmm. Yeah, that would be interesting. Um, so mine is not maker related. It just happens to be something that I found yesterday. <clears throat> Jimmy's so, trying to give me you, a seizure right now. <laughs> play with my flash. <laughs> flashing the light into the camera. Um. Oh, speaking of, this is a, a interesting little trick. I did not know about this. We'll talk about it in the after show. It's a little film thing that I learned on the set. All right. But the flashlight reminded me. I'm reminded excited. Of that. Okay, so the, the video, I don't know who this guy is. The channel's called Michalo. Michalo? I don't know. But people always talk about how they think Google is listening all the time or like the the Amazon device is listening all the time or whatever. This guy did a live test. So it's him in the corner and his browser. And he says, he holds up a sign and he says like, I'm going to talk about this thing. And it says dog toys on it. But he's like, I don't have one of these, so I don't have any reason to talk about this thing. But so he opens up Google Windows uh, just to random websites and looks at the ads, sees what's on them. Then he closes all the windows and opens a clean one with just the Google.com thing. And he starts talking about dog toys and he's like having a conversation with himself. He's like, yeah, I need some dog toys for my dog because my pooch really likes to play with chewy things. And, you know, he goes on all these like keyword things, opens up the same websites dog stuff everywhere what no and it's a it's a single take video it's not fake it's i mean i I guess it could be fake i guess he could have faked it if he really wanted to but he's like going through the sites and he's like i said red and black kong dog toys and there's an ad for red and black kong dog toys Mm. he was like i'm it i'm out i'm done (laughs) he just like closes the browser shuts off the video i was just like oh man it's, it's funny because now because now I have a, a new car. I bought a new Chevy uh, Silverado with like OnStar and everything else. And the phone connects to it so you could drive in the phone. When you get in the car, like whatever I was listening to last will show up on the – like I get in the car and Bob Dylan's playing because I was playing it in my walk. It's funny. It's So every time now we're in the car and we talk about anything that might be subversive, Taylor is always like <laughs> – Gives me the finger across the lips. And she's right because you just don't know. You just don't know. Just don't know who's listening. It reminds me of the uh, the scene in in Casino where Joe Pesci and, and some other dude like they're they're always being watched and there's lip readers and so uh, and everything is is bugged. So they always have to step outside and then they're, they're holding their cigarettes over their mouth while they're talking so nobody can read their read lips. Their lips. Yeah. <laughs> I got to do that in my own car now. That's crazy. Anyway, go check it out and take you know take it for what it's worth but i think it's legit 
All right. You guys got anything else? I'm for this curious week. about secret stuff. Oh, yeah. you know what? To, but by the way, did you guys, uh, I know Dave and Bob, you guys met Jack Conti and, and I know you guys hung out with him. Did you see yeah. his video with Casey? Him it's and Casey really hanging good. out and talking? Yeah. yeah. I saw the one of him trying to get Casey's attention. Did they They got together. together? Yeah, yesterday they got oh, together. awesome. Good. Yeah. They, they don't really explain exactly what the idea is. Jack says it's a little bit more involved than just a quick thing. But anyway, they're, they're teaming up and they're going to try and work something out. So it's exciting. Yeah. Good. I, I, I like seeing this story unfold. It seems pretty yeah. cool. Cool. All right. Well, uh, I guess that's it. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. We'll see you next week. Love, you. love, love. Say bye. Say bye. I love you. I love you too.